Wherever in the world, um, welcome back to From the Field to the Track. I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host and best friend Katie. And today we also have a very, very special guest from Avoid the Tire Wall. We have Tegan, Tegan, and Katie. How are yeah. you guys today? Tired, cold. How are you? <laughs> it must be said that we have filmed this at six a.m. Tegan's time, just because of time zones. So Tegan is quite tired, and we do appreciate her getting up early to see us. So. Very much so. Thank okay. you so much. I am Sorry. Tegan, as said. Uh, I run a podcast called Over the Tire Wall. We've actually done a bit of a collaboration before. And yeah, that's really all there is. Yeah. So why did you start Avoid the Tire Wall? Like, give us a bit of an insight into that. So I applied to a different podcast who shall remain anonymous as a blog writer. And never heard back so i was like i know i'll start my own that's actually very that's a very good idea you know i i am so proud of this like whenever i hear like other people wanting to be like wanting to get into the same field as me it's absolutely amazing to see how cool and how people just start their own like brands and stuff to achieve their dreams it's always very cool and iconic to me katie do you want to walk us through what we're talking about today what we're or what we're podcasting about today Yes, I would love to, Tiana. So we have a very exciting episode, as always planned. Um, we wanted to talk about America and Formula One and how, let's call it the Americanization of Formula One and how that has changed not only the fan base, but the way the drivers interact. Um, the calendar obviously has changed. Um, we're going to talk about the reasons behind that, the history of, of Formula One in America, um, maybe some American drivers we might chuck in there as well. Um, yeah, so shall we get underway? Um, we shall. Okay. We shall, shall indeed. I, shall I go? Okay. You, you, you can start. <laughs> I'll go. Okay. Um, I guess like the main the main kind of catalyst in this, the, the reason why it's kind of been changing a lot and, and shifting towards um, – wanting more of an Americanized audience, um, increasing popularity in America and also racing in America. A big reason behind this is um, Liberty, Liberty Media buying Formula One. Now, I'll just quickly go over that. That's just like, let's just give us like a little 30-second blurb about that. Okay, so Liberty Me Media is, funnily enough, an American media company. Um, they bought Formula One in 2016 do, do you want to take a guess, guys? How much do you reckon they bought it for? Oof. I know how much they bought it for. So, yeah. Tegan, what's your guess? <laughs> Two what did billion you say? Two billion. That's, 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 that's ballpark. We're talking $4.4 billion, which is a lot of money when you think about it. Okay. Anyway, Liberty Media is is behind a lot of the large changes, kind of the whole modernization of it. They obviously changed a whole bunch of like the real core things like the low, um, the intro music and stuff like that. Um, they are behind they F1 TV. They the contract. And also Drive to Survive. Um, yeah, so one of their main goals and what they've been quite outright about is introducing – um, and a more American audience, and they have 100% achieved that, and we are going to go into that later. Um, yeah, so I guess that's the Liberty Media thing. Yeah. <laughs> so 
we wanted to also talk yeah so besides liberty media also there has oh, it, it, we have to do say there has been a um there has been a lot of formula one in america up until like even before liberty media bought um formula one and bought over the mm. rights to formula one and all of that kind of stuff so Tegan, do you know really, like, do you know anything about America, like the, the Grand Prix or just Formula One in America, realistically? Um, there was the Caesars Palace one, which just went horribly wrong. And my personal mm-hmm. favourite, Indy 2005, where all the tyres just kept exploding. And obviously, like, Ralph Schumacher <laughs> crashed. Because it's a question on my general knowledge quiz on Avoid the Tire Wall. And I just think, like, why couldn't they just borrow the tyres out to, like, other people, like... <laughs> yeah you know what like the indian like the indianapolis grand prix just seemed like a hot mess express like i literally have written down like there were three notable grand prix before the ba- like before coda got signed onto the track permanently and i put the indianapolis grand prix 2005 because it attracted so much controversy from formula one like negative attention realistically from the American audience because obviously a lot of Americans are very used to not really open wheel racing. Like IndyCar is obviously very big there, but a lot of the people in America are more NASCAR fans, are more like that area. They're not really huge Formula One fans, or at least they weren't back in the day. So obviously wasn't really popular with them at first. And then when six out of 20 drivers started the Indianapolis Grand Prix in 2005, Obviously, you know, it gets a little bit dodgy because that's not even half the field. So it's like 14 okay. drivers just did not start because of tyre concerns. And then the contract essentially just wasn't renewed. And it started that marked five-year period in the United States without Formula One, which was, in my mind, whenever you want to access or whenever you want to make it big or your company, you want your company to make it big, the first place that everyone tries to get, like, to win over is America. And I think that was a oh, very yeah. major point for Formula One because there were times where, look, I'm going to be honest, like, like Formula One as a corporation has always been a massive. But they obviously, money is everything. Money is, like, money is cash is king. And if you unlock the potential of the American audience, you are unlocking a whole new market and a whole new range of fans and types of fans. So that's why, obviously, Liberty Media decided that, you know, they saw the potential that Formula One had and took their opportunity, really. I also, what else? Oh, I also put Caesars Palace Grand Prix. They raced in 1981, 1982. That was the OG Las Vegas Grand Prix. And I kind of wish I was alive to see it because I... It's also the original parking lot Grand Prix. Like, let's talk about like Miami being a parking lot Grand Prix. This is also the original. Like, Caesar's Palace Grand Prix is the original on so many levels. Like, they were like, you can't beat the original, even though the original was quite horrid. Um, Obviously, the wasn't appealing to a lot of Formula One, a lot of American fans. Like, they're used to these like NASCAR having like massive hype and all of these tracks and stuff. Obviously, if it's in a parking lot, no one's really gonna want to go. Like. That's just like a normal race that I can see in like Liverpool or something like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. a lot, it doesn't, it didn't attract a lot of people, which was kind of a big problem for Formula One because it was like they were not able to access that like percentage of fans in America because they everything they seemed to be doing was just failing massively. So yeah, so as um, KD said, Liberty Media essentially they've changed how they they have had a massive impact on Formula One. And I think one of the most, like, 
one of the key moments that everyone thinks about or how Formula One has changed in the modern era, like the 20, like we're talking like 2020s, late 2010s onwards, is Drive to Survive. So essentially, Drive to Survive has boosted the um, the viewership on ESPN, which is the main place where American Formula One fans watch Formula One, by 55%. So essentially, the numbers were... Um, let me get the numbers up, sorry. 547,722 people on average watch Formula One in 2019. And then in 2021, which was obviously, that was one of the most best seasons, in my opinion, of Formula One. The numbers dropped, the numbers jumped up to 934,000 fans, which is very close to a million people, like average watching Formula One. So what are your opinions on Drive to Survive? And do you think that it was successful in Americanizing or accessing that American um, population of the sport? We'll go Tegan and then Katie. So, right. I know, like, we all obviously do TikTok, do Instagram reels, all that jazz. And I feel like DTS has been really good for this sport because, you know, it's brought, bringed in, that's not English, it's brought in so many, like, people who wouldn't have been in the demographic before but then the negativity is brought with it with it and the like dts fangirl charlotte claire fangirl like no that's all i can say yeah yeah that's a fair point katie i think that the success of drive to survive has the numbers to to back it up. I mean, they had um, obviously successful, like in terms of if we're talking about it, bringing in American fans, they had successful um, Miami Grand Prix two years in a row now um, where they've they've had like fans showing up. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that the positives of Drive to Survive outweigh the negatives of it. Um, but, I think with anything, any sort of large influx of fans is probably not going to be met with extreme amounts of happiness with old fans, is it? But, you know, again, cash is king and that's, it's, it's done that. It has created a significant amount of revenue for the sport and in turn gotten a lot more fans. And I think at the end of the day, that's a good thing. What do you think, Tiana? I, I think it's been a good thing too. And I think obviously Netflix is so big in America and obviously especially I feel like they capitalized on like Formula One capitalized on Netflix right at the right moment in my opinion. Obviously no one could have predicted the pandemic happening, but the pandemic oh, happened yeah. and what were people stuck at stuck doing? They were stuck with like binge watching shows, binge watching things. And obviously at a certain point you run out of things to watch. So you try to find new things. And I think at that point like Drive to Survive was coming out and Drive to Survive was just there. And we've seen so many celebrities, so many people, so many fans as well who have gotten into Formula One because they watched Drive to Survive one day during the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, Formula One was one of the only sports that was racing and it provided people with that, like, to get away from the reality of the world where, you know, everyone is, like, isolated at home. It provided that, like, people with an enjoyment to watch. You know what I mean? So, like, Formula One really capitalised off of that and that's how, in my opinion, they made a lot of fans and new fans. And obviously then when the pandemic ended, we had 2021 season was one of the best seasons in Formula One. And then obviously 2022 and 2023, we have had Red Bull absolutely dominating, but doesn't change the fact that 
there are fans who watched Formula One during the pandemic and then went and watched the 2021 season were like, this is amazing. And then just can't wait for like Formula One to be restored to that kind of like close championships, like fighting for wins, fighting for championships, fighting for places in the constructors championship. And I think the way that we're headed to like how close the field was at the end of the season, I feel like that's like that proves something to us because at the end of last season, the field wasn't as close as it is this at the end of this season you know what I mean like Red Bull was still heavily dominating and Ferrari was still miles away from their next competitor which was Mercedes so at the end of the day Mm. although we have had two very boring if you want to call it seasons in a row I think that next season we're going to have a pretty interesting season and I feel like the numbers are just going to skyrocket from there because I know a lot of people tuned off when you see Max Verstappen leading because obviously it's not interesting to watch the same guy win 19 times or 20 times in a row you know but here's some stats for you of how DTS has actually improved viewership in America oh Tegan you go first sorry um I was actually I was having this debate let's say with someone in my Instagram comments the other day and you were saying about Ferrari being away from Mercedes should all F1 cars have the same engine? Like, you can do what you want with aero. Because, like, Formula 2 and Formula 3 are supposed to be equal. They're not yeah. equal, let's be honest. <laughs> but should, like, they have all of the same engines? And, like, I don't know. Say it's, like, we'll give Mercedes's engine to everyone. But you mm-hmm. can do whatever you feel with aero, whatever we feel with, like, the side pods and all that jazz. I don't know. Um, I think that that's part of the beauty of Formula One. They always say that like you, you've got to have, it's like baking a cake. You've got to, to, to make a good cake, to, to make a good cake that can win near the constructors, you've got to have all the ingredients. You can't just have a good car or a good strategy or good drivers. You've got to have all three. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of Formula One is that Mm -hmm. you, you can't just, if Max Verstappen was put in, let's say a Haas with Ferrari strategists, he's no way he's winning the championship because he doesn't have all yep. three ingredients. And maybe if he's got two of the ingredients, if he's in his RB, um, if he's in his Red Bull, 19. and it's him, RB19, thank you very much, RB19 and Max, and maybe he doesn't have as good a strategist, maybe he doesn't win. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's it's getting all three of the, well, however many ingredients you want to talk about. Once you have all of those, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, but there's a place for there's plenty of motorsports where they all have the same cars, like Indy. So and you cool. know, yeah. yeah. Like to me, if you were to like, I like I like the idea of everyone having equal machinery and seeing like who comes out on top. Like if there was a championship where like you get the top, like say you get the Formula One champion, you get the Formula Two champion, you get the Formula Three champion, and you get the IndyCar champion, you get all of these forms of motorsport and put them in equal machinery and just let them race and see who's winning. I feel like that would be so like that would provide so much like good racing for us and also Max Verstappen's still winning. Max Verstappen's <laughs> still winning. Like there's no doubt about that. But it shows it can show you the real like talent of these drivers and actually the champions. And it can prove to us that it doesn't just take a good car because you could put them all in like say you put them all in a Haas car for this like the Haas car from this year. And whoever wins, like, you know what I mean? It would provide such good racing. But I think in the actual, like, Formula One season, part of something that is so interesting to Formula One, it's so, like, interesting to the fans in general, is just seeing how 
people can develop their cars and also like mm-hmm. say the mercedes like you know how when the ferrari engine fails you kind of look in like house like house look like you know, remember in Baku last year when both Ferraris DNF'd and then both Haas's DNF'd or one Haas DNF'd, it kind of adds like, if the Mercedes power unit fails and everyone on the grid is having the Mercedes power unit, Mercedes engine, good luck because we're not going to have a race. Everyone's just going to DNF and it's not going to be fun. So yeah. in that sense, I don't think that it's very logical. And I also don't think that the- they would put a lot of people out of business. You know what I mean? Like Honda yeah. would be completely gone like, also mclaren don't have a own engine but like they use like um mercedes they use and i think that's cool because you can see kind of like the comparison like ferrari use ferrari and haas use the same engines yet ferrari is p3 in the championship and haas is p10 so in that way that's kind of cool that you can see the difference whereas like mercedes um williams and mclaren all use the same engine and look at where they are in the championship you know what i mean so that would be cool but that's actually a really good question tegan so Props to you what do you think, Tegan? But, yeah, what do you think? Okay, right, in Formula 2 and Formula 3, they should 100% have the same cars mm-hmm. because, like, look at Premos compared to, like, Trident or something like that. PHL. But, I think... <laughs> um, but then, like, in Formula 1, like, it is about who's the best engineers, who's the best drivers. So I think in Junior Series, absolutely have the same engines, but... Yeah. In Formula One, we'll see. I feel like also your point with like junior categories, I feel like junior categories, although you want to be racing in the best team, like Prema is undoubtedly in my mind, if you get a seat at Prema, you are set for you are set for your future. That's my very honest yeah. opinion. If you look at the grid, think about how many drivers have driven for Prema at one point in their career. Like you have Joe, you have Charles, you have Logan. All of these drivers in the grid have at one point in their careers raced for Prema. And they it's just the way that they set up their car. They are so good at it. But in my opinion, there are so many good drivers who have like raced in Formula Two and Formula Three and never got the chance to make it to Formula One because they never got a good car in the junior categories. And they could never like come to terms with the car and it's very hard like i know next year they're making new formula 2 cars because the formula 2 car has been and like it hasn't been very hard to drive so i'm glad that they are getting something new but like i agree with tegan when she says like everyone should have the same car equal machinery because then it just proves you who has the better race craft and at the end of the day that's who you want in formula one you want the best of the best and if you are not the best of the best why are you in formula one you know what i mean well there are other people who could take your seats I have some stats of how DTS has changed F1 viewership in America. So I obviously got these stats before the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Um, So the 2023 season was averaging 1.12 million viewers on ESPN on average, which is crazy to me because that's that's only in the US. Um, The most anticipated Grand Prix... The most anticipated Grand Prix was the Las Vegas Grand Prix, obviously. And it will happen to be the most viewed Grand Prix of the... 2023 season with 1.76 million people and it was the most watched telecasted event after 11 p.m which obviously there's not really much to watch on tv after 11 p.m so there was not much competition there but everyone felt like that was a very good um hype up you know what i mean um the 2023 formula one season was essentially the second most highest viewed formula one season in america only second to the 2022 season which which averaged 1.21 million instead of 1.12 million. 
So it was a bit of a dramatic drop, but also we do have to attribute that to the fact that Red Bull have utterly dominated. And it's not good for, it's not that it's not good for the sport, but it's not good for new fans who want to see different race winners every single week. Anyways, okay, so next up on the agenda, we are talking about the three races in America. What do you think about the three races in America? Do you think it's too much, too little? The successes of the Grand Prix, should we just have one, get rid of Miami, get rid of Coda, or I mean, not Coda, get rid of Vegas, or do you, and there are talks of obviously adding more, adding more Grand Prix in America to the calendar, so I just want both of your, both of your predict, both of your thoughts on the F3, or the three races in America, so Katie, and then we'll go to you. Okay, I think that there's 100%, I've got some, done some research about the old, the old Grand Prix, anyway, um, I think this Coda is such an iconic race. The drivers love it for starters, which I think helps if they're loving the media around, they're loving all that kind of stuff around it. Um, it's a successful race. Fans end up loving it and it's, it's good racing, right? Um, mm-hmm. So Coda has been held every year since 2012. Um, yeah. Except for the COVID year that where everything was weird. Um, but yeah, I think it's a classic race and I think there's 100% a place on the calendar for it. And I love it. How do you feel about it, Tegan? I think Cota just like, if I could choose to go to any American Grand Prix, it will be Cota because it just seems so fun and it just like, it's just cool in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And like, as much as I am a sucker for street tracks, like I love Melbourne and I love Singapore and I love Baku I love all these street tracks like they own my heart none of the American like like street tracks can compare to Coda in my opinion like the Coda track having like the way it is laid out and the way that the elevation to turn one the s's all of that like it is genuinely beautiful big American flag can the Texas flag it's so just like it screams like I icon- like it's just iconic. But yeah, I and think I, I think like I can't describe it. The thing about Coda is that it's like quintessentially American in the way that we want we want a US Grand Prix to be. You know what I mean? Like the we're gonna get to it, but like Miami and Las Vegas for me are like these kind of like almost almost to the point where it's a little bit tacky, like mm-hmm. that kind of level of American. Whereas this is so like, you know, and, and the drivers will put the cowboy hats on and stuff. It's a good time. Um it's like I an, guess, it's like American, but like the best kind of like it's not overly yeah. like influencer, like we're gonna send all these influencers. It's not like overly hyped. It's just like it's coda. Doesn't need any hype. Yeah. It's just coda. Like yeah. How that geezer, right? That's obviously a technical term when on the Vegas grid and Checo's just stood there and he's like, Checo, Perez! And he goes right in his face. And then like at Miami, how you had Will I Am introducing the drivers. Oh, like, what he's doing. It's, it's, it's so just, like, I cannot, es- I cannot describe to you the cringe in my body when I see that. Like, I'm so sorry. But that is the, like, that, that, so the guy who was announcing all the people at Vegas, he is, um, 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 the person who announces all of the boxers he's a very famous person really in the boxing world and the fighting re- right. fighting ring really so the fact that they got him there is absolutely amazing first of all but i just think you need to stick to boxing and i also think that boxing in formula one we don't need to announce the drivers names the drivers know who they are 
the drivers can come out to the driver parade and get to their cars and just be like you know like slaying the day away we don't need this like like extra media but moving on from that what are your opinions on miami the miami grand prix we've had it for two years in a row we'll go tegan then katie it's i can't actually remember it to be fair the the fake war is funny like that is just quality (laughs) Um, and then haven't they got that random bollard in the middle of one of the turns that miraculously I don't think anyone's ever hit, but it's just like, like there's a blue bit and the bollard's right in the middle of the blue bit and you have to go, I don't know where it is. Oh, I think so. I think I, I think I know what you're talking about. I just think the Miami Grand Prix feels a bit cliche and like the fact the paddock's in the stadium, like, I don't know, parking lot in it. Yeah. Okay, I kind of like the fact that it's round hard rock. I think it's so funny. And all of them are, like, making videos. Like, that hide-and-seek video of Lando and Oscar. And they're, oh, like... that's my favourite. Oscar's, like, in the rubbish bin. Yeah. Okay, so I think I think the thing about the American races is that the teams do, you know, put on the social media for it. You know what I mean? They yeah. They do do the hard work for these. And I think that's the part that we like about it, right? versus kind of yeah but i do agree that yeah just some yeah again i'm gonna use the word tacky for it it's yeah yeah it's not what formula one is yeah formula one is this high class european thing rich white man sport (laughs) real but like at the end of the day as much as people want to hate on max Verstappen for what he said during the vegas grand prix it's 90 percent show and 10 percent racing at the end of the day he is 100 percent correct like all the Grand Prix in America, like besides Coda, like Coda is one of the few, like one of the only Grand Prix in America that is not for show. Rather, they're not doing all these media events. They're not doing all of these stuff where they like you know it's just a normal racing weekend. Whereas in Miami and in like, and I also think a huge factor for that is all of the influencers who get invited. And look, I am not a hater on influencers. I promise not an influencer hater, but I hate when people who get into, like people who are invited into Formula One don't know the sport, just stand there and take photos the entire time. And uh, it it makes me mad because I know know there is a stat that's like 90% of Formula One fans, who people who call themselves Formula Formula One fans, will never get to attend a race in their entire life. And that is such a sad statistic for a sport as massive and for a corporation as big as Formula One to have 90% of their fans not attend a Grand Prix ever in their life because of the inexcessiveness yeah. of the sport. Like, it's crazy to me. And I know, obviously, brands like Tarte and, like, all of these places that send all these influencers, obviously, they don't know what we know. But at the end of the day, if these brands actually did their research, a lot more people would buy their products because you're sending fans to a Grand Prix who literally may not even have the chance to go to a Grand Prix in their entire life for Mm. free. And obviously, they're going to, like, they're going to have... They're going to have a fun time. And then people are obviously going to be positively influenced to buy your products because they're like, oh, like they actually like, they care for like Formula One fans. And I think that could also be a very, very, very good marketing point for Formula One because it's like, oh, like we actually care about our fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Linking to what you said about Max Verstappen, right? Imagine, I don't know, Esty Bestie had said it or imagine K-Mag or Nico Hulkenberg had said it. Like, yeah. no one would give one. But because it's Max and he's, like, the face of the sport, he gets cancelled. And, like, if Lando had said it, 
people don't understand Lando's humour and it grinds my gears because he's a funny bloke. I can't lie to you. He is funny. But then people are like... No, but I think think his... I think his humour is um, very British. Very British. And I think you probably understand that more than a greater majority of, let's say, American fans, right? I made a TikTok Instagram reel about Sky Sports because they basically were just slandering Max. Anyway, yeah. Um, I made a video saying, look, Sky Sports F1 are really biased and it's sort of tinting their viewership and, like, I mean, I like Channel 4 F1 highlights, um, mm-hmm. but it's just the highlights. It's not the live race. I can't like, I don't watch the F1 race with volume on most of the time. I literally, I turn the volume off because <laughs> I don't, I don't agree with the way the commentary's done. And they're like, Lewis, oh my God. Like, and yeah, he's a good driver, but you should be, I, at least this is my opinion. You should be neutral as a commentator. Like, I mean, I'm open about, I like Oscar Piastri, but I think, when I'm doing commentary, or when I was doing commentary, I was staying in as neutral as I could, and I wasn't going, Oscar Piastri's just done an overtake! Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a huge factor of why a lot of Formula 1 fans really just don't really like broadcasting, really, because it's just like, in Australia, we have this thing, it's called tall poppy syndrome, which you can attribute to why the viewership has kind of not been as high as it was in the 2021 season. People, tall poppy syndrome is essentially, people don't like seeing others succeed in life and they essentially try to tear people down for their achievements because obviously most times they're better than them. And I feel like in the Formula One community, there is so much, to- like every single fit, every single person is guilty of having tall poppy syndrome because every single person has hated on like, Lewis when he was doing well like now obviously with Max when he's doing well and Sebastian we've seen it several times throughout the course of Formula One history and then you look back in 20 years from now like not even 20 years 10 years from now when we look back on the 2023 season we're going to think about wow we witnessed greatness there's not going to be another season like this probably for a very long time in Formula One so to witness Mm -hmm. that is absolutely amazing but back to the back to the Americanization of Formula One. Kind of got sidetracked there. That was my fault. Sorry, guys. But yeah, obviously one of the most highly anticipated Grand Prix of the weekend of the entire Formula One schedule really was the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Let's talk about it. What like briefly was a bit dodge, but we did get good racing. So Katie and then Tegan, let me know your thoughts and opinions on the Vegas Grand Prix. Um, I don't think it lived up to what it was supposed to be. I think that's, in terms of racing-wise, one of the best races of the season. Great. I love that. Racing, beautiful. Great track, sure. It's all right track. Um, in terms of the the atmosphere around it, the content that came out, again, the if the drivers don't like it, it's not going to be good, good content. If they don't want to be there – it's not going to be good content. I think that's what happened. You know, it was towards the end of the season. We were kind of in that home stretch where there wasn't a lot to, in terms of like constructors and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though there was a lot to play for in the, in the last race, I think that was what it was affected by. Um, But I'm not opposed to it. I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, I hated it. Um, I watched it with a smile on my face. Um, how did you feel about it, Tegan? I so my hairdresser, she went to Vegas. 
this is relevant, I promise. A couple of weeks before the F1. And wow. basically, the whole... I don't know, is it a city? Is it a state? Yes, it... it's a state. It's a sta- It's like, Las Vegas is a state. Yeah, the whole... No, it's in Nevada. Sorry, Las Vegas is a city, not a state. Thank you. Can we Sorry. clip that out, um... please? Riverside, let's <laughs> clip that out, please. Yeah, um... Basically, she went and she said it was completely unaccessible. And the fact they put that, like, cling film stuff up on the windows and, like, the oh, no. black nets around the track... That grinds my gears because, you know, not everyone can afford it. Yes, Tiana. So this is actually something that triggered me a lot during the weekend because people were saying that, like, people were getting mad. And, okay, I understand. People getting mad. The Grand Prix was expensive to go to. But at the end of the day, at every single Formula One race, they do that. At every single track, no matter where they go in the world, every single racing race does that they put the cling film up they put the black trash bags like when i was went to the Oz gp you could not see anything from the outside you could only see on the big screens which obviously you can't cover that from outside so if you want to stand back and watch from the big screens be like you could be formula one's guest but you could not watch the in-track action but that at the end of the day once again cash is king if you want to see the race you have to be inside there if you can't you can't afford good it, from you tiana good TV. from you what i sorry good from it, you it's a good it was just like you. it you. was just like in my mind the entire time because a lot of these people who were like complaining about it too were like the Vegas residents who just wanted to find a reason to hate on the Formula One and I was like you don't understand how much money this Grand Prix is making you like this Do- Grand Prix is making you millions of dollars so oh, sorry I know. Tegan continue yeah what were you gonna Go say Katie Oh, I was just going to say to you know that they chopped down trees for it which I'm not very happy with I'm not happy about that either. But go ahead, Tegan. Finish off your thoughts. Sorry. My hairdresser was there, and I get, I completely understand why they've put the tape up and stuff. But, like, as you said, like, the cost of the tickets. Like, I literally, I made a video about this. $2,000 for one Mm -hmm. ticket at the Mm -hmm. back of the grandstand. Like, realistically, Mm -hmm. what are you going to say? The person in front of you's head. Like, you're going to say, nada crazy to me because when I went to, like, to go to the OzGP for my sister, my dad, my mum, and I, that it cost it cost about like four four grand, which obviously it's a lot of money. But at the end of the day, it's not as much. And we got tickets in the front row of the grandstand, which to me is crazy because if you. But then at the end of the day, they did lower the prices when they realized they're not going to sell out this Grand Prix, and then people could be more like people could access the Grand Prix more. But like at the end of the day, two thousand dollars for a single ticket is insane, and I don't think that anyone should be paying that much money to go to a sporting event. These prices were literally a couple days before the Grand Prix, so I dread to think that what they cost initially. Um, and also, I made another video about this. When Lando crashed, those people stood on the bridge above where he crashed, and obviously he went woo. Uh, I loved it. I just like, yeah. Anyway, and people were like laughing at the fact that he just smacked the wall at probably quite fast, and I thought the race was. All right. I didn't understand at the end when they went in the car, went to the, is it the Bellagio Hotel with all the fountains, Mm -hmm. then went back. Like, what was the point of that? Like, literally, what was the purpose besides showmanship? It was so funny. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you go, Katie. I was just going to say, yeah, no. Um... I yeah I you know and there was those yeah as you said those fountains going off and I I was t- really tired that night I'd, I'd had a bit of a, a weekend and um I was just I was just like 
I was just laughing. I was like, oh my God. But I did think it was funny because there was, you know, and um, the guy who was supposed to go on the podium with Max, like, what couldn't come in the car? And oh, it was, it was just so funny. And, it and was all so... those videos of like the, the podcast of them in the limo and Chico just yeah. looks like he's seen a ghost and the other Bird two wheeling. flirting. The other two are just flirting, and it's so funny. But yeah, no, I I did think that was funny as well, Tegan. I I did notice that. I think with the Vegas Grand Prix, the one of the mo- one of my main criticisms was the in like the the inability of the planning. Like I don't understand how this race went ahead, or even how there was so much hatred towards the race because I can speak from an experience of having a street track in Melbourne. For obviously a lot, a large part of the race track is in like in Albert Park, which is a park, so they just close off the entire park. But there are actually there are parts of the those parks, like the part of the parks, are all roads that people need to access daily. And look, they don't open those roads at all. Like those roads are shut the entire Grand Prix weekend from the Thursday all the way to the Monday. They close down all the roads. And but every single person can find, but the, the government makes sure, like Melbourne City government, find a way to make sure that the everyone in the like everyone in the vicinity who need to access those roads have more access to other roads. Therefore, they put more trams, they put more like public like like public transport, all of that kind of stuff, so that people aren't inconvenienced by this. You know what I mean? And I think in Vegas, this is a huge learning point for them because they know that. Now they need to they need to implement those things. They need to implement more public transport. They need to make sure that this thing is all running. And even for the Vegas, obviously it runs through the strip, which is one of the main roads in Vegas. And they have to open that up. But it's like Monaco. They open Monaco up at night and no one is mad at Monaco. And obviously Monaco has been racing in Formula One for longer than I we have all been alive for. But at the end of the day, I feel like this Grand Prix will grow on a lot of people. And although it's a struggle right now, I know that it will eventually provide like we saw that it can provide good racing so i can't wait for next year when the when the cars are going to be way closer to each other and we can actually have good fight like good fights for the lead like we had five changes for the lead at the las vegas grand prix which is one of the most that we've had all season and to think that people actually hated on the race is crazy to me because i i'm not i was not the biggest vegas fan i know a lot of people weren't but yeah that's all that's like all but I know that they can come back from this because it's just a street track. We've seen this in Baku. We've seen this in Melbourne. We've seen this at every single place where there is a street track. It's just logistical challenges that they need to overcome. So, yeah, that's kind of the Americanization of Formula One. I really wanted to ask you guys, do you think that Formula One is going to expand their market to another, possibly another um, American race? And if so, which where do you think the American race is going to be? Who's going first? Do you want me to oh, go first, um, Katie? Katie and Tegan, yeah. Sh- sure. I do think there's going to be another race. I don't have an answer for you as to where it's going to be. But um, I think I think they'll do another actual racetrack. Um, something tells me. Um, yeah. Sounds good. I mean, I don't really mind. Um, great, actually. Not like I'm going to be going to it. So, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. As long as there's some cars on the track, I'm happy to – I'm happy to show up. Yep, good. And American American races are on at a nice time for us as well, which helps. So, okay, how do you feel, Tegan? They're always on at horrible times for me. Like, I'm not built for late night races, which obviously you guys have to do late night ra- uh, late night races. Late night, <laughs> early morning. That's the duo. Love it. But I think 
maybe have two American races a year. So put Vegas and Miami on like an interchangey thing, or like just oh, yeah. spin them. Like just so get rid do... of Miami, really. I'm Fair like, enough. If Miami has no haters. I am dead. <laughs> and then maybe add like a race in like South Africa, like Kailami, or I don't know. Bring back the Malaysia race or Germany. Please, oh, literally, yes. I love Malaysia. It's such a cool place. I've like, been there. Malaysia and Germany, like in my mind, Germany is such a great place for like, like Germany is one of the greatest places for motor racing. Like, think about how many world champions are German. Nurburgring. Yeah. Okay, oh my god, the Nurburgring would be a, such a big so sleigh. Long. Obviously, it's the longest track ever that I've seen, and I think that that would be so fun. Like. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Two minute, two minute lap times so would be an absolute iconic. Like imagine quali. Yeah. Quali would be hectic. Oh, but yeah, no, it would be like one push. So lap. I, yeah. one push lap, one go. Then you go, you're gone. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, I think that I really hope we. I hope Miami does not stay in the calendar after this. Like I hope their contract is not renewed because I am not a Miami fan, and I don't think a lot of the drivers are really Miami fans either. Like it has not provided us with much good racing for the past two years like it was very underwhelming Grand Prix in 2022 and then it was a very underwhelming race this year as well like I think Vegas has beat it like in terms of wow factor and just like providing us with good racing so if we're going to keep two Grand Prix or possibly add another one get rid of get rid of Miami and put a race yeah. in either Florida or Indianapolis but you have to time the Indianapolis race well so that's not in the middle of summer and we don't have a repeat of the tires exploding because imagine it being at the same track that, like, like it would be absolutely iconic. But anyways. Go ahead, Is Miami Katie. not in Florida? Oh, Miami, Miami is in Florida. It is. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, like, a track. Like, She's an actual a geography. track in Florida. She's a geography. I, I can't. I'm, I'm not a ge- You know what sucks? I got an A in geography as well. I suck at, like, American geography. I can tell you places are in Australia. Or, like, <clears throat> alternatively, I had two races in Australia or one race in New Zealand, because bring back Adelaide. That's what I Who want. have you? I want Who Adelaide. I want Adelaide back. The Adelaide Grand Prix, such a sleigh, because then you could have Daniel Ricciardo's home-home race, and then you could have Oscar Piastri's home-home race. And that home is home. too iconic. Home-home. Because Oscar Piastri is, like, the first driver in a very long time to have an actual, like, home-home race, because obviously Australia is massive, and Daniel Ricciardo is from Perth, which is on the other side of the country. So... It's crazy to me. But anyways, Katie, it is your time to shine. Take it away. I got told last time that I sound like a news reporter when I do this, so now I'm just going to strive to keep getting more and more news reporting. Good evening, and welcome to the drive of your life question. This is everybody's favorite part of the episode. What I'm going to do, Tegan, if you're not familiar with this segment, I'm going to ask us a question about a drive that you might take in your life. You take a lot of drives, uh, you take a lot of drives and so do the Formula One drivers. I'm going to ask you a question about uh, a drive that you might like to take with a Formula One driver. Usually I give a situation and we pick a driver, but I'm going to give you a driver and we're going to pick a situation. Okay, the question is, because we've been talking about America, I'm going to bring up the American, American. driver. The, you know, USA. That is what courses through his blood. Um, so Logan Sargent. Which of the following three drives would you like to do with Logan? A, a hot lap around the Vegas circuit. B, 
a road trip across the US, or C, have him drive you home from a night out. We're going to go Tegan, then we're going to go Tiana, and then we're going to go back to me. I can't lie, road trip around the US, like Route 66, like those big weird steakhouses, and like just the very American things that like we obviously don't have in England, Australia, or New Zealand. Yeah, that's such a like a like, and I think having an American as your tour guide as well would be so iconic as well. Like, you know what I mean? Personally, though, I would have to go the hot lap around Vegas because the Vegas track to me is so iconic. Like, as much as I hated on the track for having the straights and everything, got driving full speed down the strip is something that is in my dreams now. It is something that I need to do. Like, going and I, like, I don't care that Logan Sargent may not be considered a good driver. I just want to do a hot lap around the Vegas track. So, Logan, Logan Sargent, take me for a hot lap around the Vegas track. Williams, please. I want Katie? nothing more than to do a hot lap with a hot driver. And this is what's been offered up in front of me. So me and Tiana are one and the same. I'm going hot lap with Logan Sargent. I think it would be so much fun. Like, honestly, I like my big, I love going fast in cars. Not that I ever do it because I never, I never exceed the speed limit in my car. No, I don't. I actually don't. I'm actually a really cautious driver. Um, and Zed police but... are coming for you right now. <laughs> But um, yeah, so um, yeah, no, I really want to do a hot lap. That's like my dream. So if anyone out there that is watching this is a race car driver and would like to take me on a drive in their car. I, yeah, I also have. He knows who he is. (laughs) Since I have become a Formula One fan, one of the things that I have very much wanted to do is a hot lap, but like a hot lap, but like a hot lap on a track with a driver, but like, especially on like Silverstone, Melbourne, Las Vegas, or like Coda, because in my mind yeah. those tracks are so like it's a, it's a, they're like my favorite tracks and and obviously Monza, but like these tracks are like amazing and Singapore. Actually, you know what? Just get chuck the whole grid in there except for Miami. I would not want to do a hot lap in Miami. So I once like again, them. I am I am Miami's biggest around, hater. I've done laps around Alton Park in Ooh. a BMW and then a Le Mans style car, which was pretty cool. But like. My dad was like, go so fast, you'll scare her. Like, I was not scared. I was just like, the essence of calm. Yeah. Good. Good like, on you. It would, I just love, I just like, want to do a hot lap. But anyways, yeah. thank you, Tegan, for joining us on this very, very special episode of From the Field to the Track. You can, Tegan's links and everything will be in the description box. So make sure you go and check her out and give her a subscribe, a subscribe and a follow. And because me. Vote for me. As oh the yes, and vote for her in the uh, from the field to the track awards. Um, starting her campaign. Start speaking of the from the field to the track awards. We we Katie and I have decided that we are going to start our inaugural Formula One end of season awards called from the field to the tracks end of season awards. So these awards are essentially categories that Katie and I have made up. Um, at the end of the season and each season we're, from now, essentially, we're going to um, vote and put nominees for each person, uh, each category. And then you guys get to vote because we obviously want to include you guys, the fans, because it is a, it is essentially about all about the fans and the fans' favorite moments of the season. Um, and then on the 16th of December at 6.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. So that's a very long name. Um, so 5.30 p.m. on 
in, on TikTok Live, Katie and I will announce all the winners. And obviously, we will be. We have made so so many cute little certificates, and we can't wait to maybe one day send them to some people. You can check out the you can check out the nominees and everything in the description. Make sure you go and vote because they're all iconic people and deserve everything. Literally. Once again, I want to thank Tegan for joining us in this very very special episode of the Americanization of Formula One. Um, Katie, obviously, always being up to do a podcast with me. So thank you. Lots of love. Um, do, do you guys want to say anything before we wrap this up? I'll go. Thank um, you for having big me, thank- guys. Oh. I'm going to go back to bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good cool. idea. Sorry that we've woken you up. Um, thank you so much for Bye. coming, as, as Tiana has said. It's been great. And make sure, um, yeah, to, to give us a, a subscribe and stuff like that. And do get involved with the um, with the awards. That's a really exciting opportunity. And me and Tiana are super excited about it. Um, but also big thank you to Tiana. She did a lot of research for this episode. Um, and it takes a lot to get people from different countries on different time zones all together in the same spot and she's done a great job about it she never complains i she's we're amazing we love tiana um so thank you guys all for listening um yeah it's been another great one love you all thank you all so much for joining us on from the field to the track we make sure you subscribe like and we will see you all very very soon bye